Our uh, scripture reading this morning is from the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, and uh, tells us about a great day that we are promised in the future. 1 Thessalonians four thirteen through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We're uh, continuing uh, this morning into our study of the book of John, and we sort of took a little break from that last week. And we were sort of in the middle of something. Uh, I've given a title... Three Little Children 2. So this is Three Little Children Part 2. The three little children are Peter and Thomas and Philip. Now, there's, uh, we're calling them little children because Jesus addressed them as little children at near the end of chapter 13. Uh, he said, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you can't come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Jesus, or Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Uh, I'm sorry. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him. I'm sorry. <laughs> From now on, you do know him and have seen him.
Jesus is uh, preparing the disciples for his departure. And he says, I'm departing, and they're very upset about it. He, he tries to begin his talk, love one another. He try, he's telling them, this is how you're to behave the new commandment. I'm leaving soon, and while I'm gone, love one another. He's this, what we're going to see in the next several chapters of the book of John is what we call the upper room discourse, where Jesus is preparing his followers for his absence. Perhaps we should pay attention to that. We are his followers operating in his absence. But he said, when he says he's departed, they're completely distracted. Have you seen that? how this keeps coming up? Where are you going? Where are you going? Why can't we go? Where are you going? I give my life for you. I, I can, why can't I come with you? And then Jesus, you know, he deals with Peter by making this horrible announcement. Peter's not going to lay down his life for Jesus right away. He's going to deny Jesus. And then he says to the whole group, let not your hearts be troubled. Settle down. <laughs> Take it easy. It's okay. Don't be troubled. Now, there's a bunch of things they might be troubled about. One is the fact that he's announced that he's departing. That, uh, and by the way, if they've been paying attention they would know that means he's going to die. And the other is that he just told Peter that Peter would deny him. And his, he says, don't be troubled. And then he says, trust God. This is all in the hand of God. This is in the plan of God. This is the main event in the plan of God that is about to occur. Trust God and what God is doing. Trust me also. Now, we read this text. It says in English, believe in God. And I don't, I don't care for that translation because nowadays when we say believe in God, what we mean is something like, think that there is a God. And it's very different. Thinking that there is a God is not at all the same as trusting God. And this means, this word in the Greek language means trust, rely on God. In this troubled moment, Rely on God, rely on me. Trust me. And then, in my Father's house are many rooms. I don't know what all the various languages, how all the various languages translate this, but in English, in the King James Bible, the one that was the Bible for the longest time, it said this, in my father's house are many mansions. I remember when I was a kid, many mansions. Wow, that sounds good. And there's a lot of teaching around even today that everybody gets his own mansion. Well, I'm sorry to blow that up, but that's not what this says. There's one house here, just one. And it has, this, is a, this, 
more recent translation is a much better translation. Many rooms. Places to live. The word is literally the word uh, that we get the English word condominium from. So, anyway, there's, many, there's plenty of spots in my father's house. Uh, I go to prepare a place for you. That's a very interesting thing to say. Is Jesus... Is Jesus... Uh, occupied by a construction project? Because that's sometimes how we think of this. Is Jesus a, an interior decorator? There's many rooms in the Father's house. And maybe he's going room to room. Maybe this is why it's taking 2,000 years for him to come back because there's so many rooms that he's got to prepare all these rooms. Is that what this says? I don't think so. When he says, I go, he's been saying this, I'm going, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going, now is the time to glorify the Father. I'm going. How is he going? The path goes through the cross. That is how. His death and resurrection are the preparation. His ongoing intercession at the right hand of the majesty on high is the preparation. The, for Jesus to prepare a place for me in the house of God requires his sacrifice on the cross. But we might notice here as well, he just answered the question, where are you going? He's, you know, he's talking about something else. Well, not really, because he already said, where I'm going, you can't come now, but you will come later. So he's explaining this now. He's saying, I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself, and then we will be together. Where I am, you may be also. That promise cannot be fulfilled except through the sacrifice of the cross. One of the reasons Peter can't go now where Jesus is going is because the cross has to happen to qualify Peter to be there. And you and me. But then he says something interesting. You know the way. You know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas disagrees. Jesus is telling Thomas something about Thomas that Thomas doesn't know. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, we do not know where you're going. How on earth could we possibly know how to get there? So now I just observed that Jesus answered the question where he was going. Thomas did not observe it. Thomas is thinking in prim primarily geographical terms the spot where is this where will you be well i'll be going to the house of my father we don't know where that is 
How would we know the way? And then you have uh, one of the great statements out of the mouth of Jesus, one of the I am statements of the book of John. Now, Jesus has mentioned several times where he's going already in the book of John. You could look at uh, chapter 7, verse 33. You could look at chapter 13, verse 36. He's going to the Father. He's going back to the one who sent him. And so Thomas says, we don't know where that is. How would we know the way? Thomas's heart is still troubled. And Jesus says, I am. I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We didn't ask you about the truth and the life. We just want to know the way. Well, these all go together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You could read in the book of Hebrews that expression where uh, Jesus made a way through the veil by the blood of his cross. What, when, you, when the veil in the temple is torn, what, is, what are we given access to? The very presence of God Almighty, that. And so the cross of Christ is the way, the way to where? The Father's house. The Father's house. And Jesus then, he says, I'm the truth. And as we've read in the book of John, over and over and over, Jesus is the Word made flesh, dwelling among us. The Word he says, I'm the light of the world, the truth. Jesus is the true and trustworthy revelation of God himself. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. No one has seen God at any time, we read in John chapter 1. No one has seen God at any time. The Son of God, the only begotten, he makes God visible. He is the truth, not a truth, not one of many options, the truth. What you have in the man Jesus is the full expression of ultimate reality. He is perfect humanity and full deity in one person. He is perfection. He is the truth. All other truth is grounded on him. And then he says, I'm the life. <clears throat> I'm the life. We could read in the book of Colossians, for example, that he's the firstborn of the resurrection. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. He is the firstborn, the preeminent case of resurrection from the dead. Knowing God in Christ is 
the same as being alive. I'm going to say that again. Knowing God in Christ is the same thing as being alive. People who do not know God in Christ are still dead, even though they might be breathing. The scripture says you're dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together with Christ. In Christ we died and in Christ we rose to new life. When Jesus says, I am the life, he is, that's not a metaphor. It's not just an illustration. It is the actual reality of the situation. If you are in Christ, you have the life. If you are not in Christ, you remain dead. <clears throat> Again, the way, the truth, the life. Now, all of this comes together because Christ is the way, the sacrifice, the death and resurrection of Christ is our pathway to God the Father. What Jesus accomplishes in his work on the cross is to give us access to God, which is to say the same thing as to say he makes us alive again. It is because God is life. Only God has life in himself. He is the only source of life, and it is only in fellowship with God that we are actually alive human beings. And so Jesus says this, No one comes to the Father any other way but me. Oh my goodness. Jesus is extremely intolerant of other views. I'd like you to just notice Jesus himself is claiming to be the only way to God. Our sin separates us from God. Our, well, our separation from God is our sin, and it's suicidal. It kills us. Uh, the wages of sin is death. And there is only one way to recovery. And recovery means restored fellowship with God. Adam and Eve were created to walk with God and that way be alive to be made in his likeness and bear his image. To be children of God in active fellowship with God, that's what made them alive. God said it, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And they did, in fact, die that very day. And we are born into that condition. And the only recovery, the only way back to the Father is the sacrifice of the Son. No one comes to the Father any other way. <clears throat> now, you might notice here again, Jesus just told us again where exactly he's going. To the Father. That's where. You know the way. <laughs> then he says this, if you have come to know me, then you will know him as well. If you've come to know me, you will also know the Father. He's the way. If you've come to know me, you'll know my Father too. And from now on, 
This is true about you, apostles. You have come to know me, and that means you know the Father. Because I am the truth. I am the exact representation of God, as we read in the book of Hebrews. The image of God, as we read in the book of Colossians. Knowing me is knowing him. Now I want you to notice, what is it that really matters? It is knowing God. Knowing the Father, access to the Father, going to the Father's house, living in the place prepared for you by the sacrifice of Christ in the Father's house in the end, to be a member of the family of God, to know God is to be alive. The issue is fellowship with God. What was broken by Adam is fellowship with God. What is restored by the work of Christ is fellowship with God. First, by the fact that he shows up as one of us and makes himself available as a man for the fellowship of these men. Then, for through the sacrifice of his cross and the glory of his resurrection and his ascension and his intercession before the throne of the Father, which means I can walk right in, as Hebrews says, come boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace, to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That is the thing Jesus is doing to make knowing God real for us again. It was lost in the garden, and Jesus is restoring it. And that is to be alive. Knowing God, fellowship with God, access to God. Now, We're going to read when we get to chapter 17, but I'm giving you a preview just now where Jesus just says this explicitly. He says in his prayer to the Father, his closing prayer on this very sermon, he says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. What? that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When Jesus defined the nature of eternal life, he called it fellowship with God. When Jesus defined eternal life, he didn't talk about how long it lasted, though it is eternal. He talked about what it is, and what it is, is knowing the Father. Knowing the Father in the face of the Son. And that is exactly what he, oh, so he begins the talk with the same concept that he will end the talk with. And he goes on in that prayer to talk about, he's praying that that they will be one as we are one, the Father and the Son, that they will be wrapped up in the eternal fellowship of the triune divinity. So when Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about restoring that. In uh, 1 Peter, chapter 3, 
verse 18. I want to ask you the question, why did Jesus die? And our common answer to that question is he died to save us. Mm-hmm. That would be correct. I want you to think about what it means to be saved. Well, for one thing, it means the, the axe was hanging over your head and now you've been removed from that situation. You've been saved. And that's literally what the word saved means. You were doomed. You were, you were tied up laying on the tracks and the train was coming. And he yanked you out of there. But being saved means much more than that. It means much more than just being rescued from certain doom. Here's what it means. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might, that he might, what? Bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Okay, we, we can stop there. To bring us to God. You see, what Jesus is saying here in chapter 14 of the book of John, He says, I'm going to prepare a place in my Father's house and I'm going to come back and get you and you will be with Me where I am in my Father's house in the place I've made available to you through the cross. Trust God. Trust Me too. If you've come to know me, then you'll know him as well. And that is true of you. In Hebrews 10, we already uh, mentioned this text, but I want to read it. Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, please pay attention now. We have confidence to enter the holy places. You know, I can think of many places where I don't belong. If I try to just walk into the Oval Office uninvited, I would be arrested. I don't belong there. Here's the place I don't belong. The holy place. God's house. You remember the story of Isaiah. I hope because I tell this story all the time. Isaiah finds himself suddenly before the throne of God Almighty, and he says, I don't belong here. Get me out of here. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. I cannot survive here. Yet, we have confidence to enter the holy places. How? By the blood of Jesus. That is how. By the new and living way that He opened for us through the veil, that is, through His flesh. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. What? This 
This invitation is repeated over and over in the book of Hebrews. It is though the writer of the book of Hebrews is crying out to the church, it's open! Come in! Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Trust God. Trust me. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. There's a way. And the way is Jesus. In Hebrews 7, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that makes me laugh, but they were prevented by death from continuing in office. You had to have a lot of the old kind of priests because they kept on dying. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. He is the firstborn of the resurrection. He is the way. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. To the uttermost. That is, so that they are completely and permanently saved. Not like the old sacrifices of the old priests that had you covered for, a well, till the next day. Day after day after day, this incredible slaughter of the sacrificial animals. Day after day after day. But he is not like those. He's not subject to the death. And yet he dies. And he is raised. And he holds his priesthood permanently because... He continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. You are not kind of saved. You are not saved if you fulfill certain conditions. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He's the way. He's the way he makes drawing near to God available to us through the sacrifice of his cross. Those who draw, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives. He always lives to make intercession for them. We have standing before God because Jesus is standing there with us. We are in Him, and so we are clothed in His righteousness, granted to us, saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. And you know Him because you know me. And this is the case from now on. And I will be back to get you. And that's what we read about in 1 Thessalonians this morning. The Lord will be announced. The dead in Christ will rise. We will go the way he went through resurrection from the dead. In this text, there's something later. You can't come now, but you will come later. 
Here's something I've noticed about the thing that's later. The hope brings it back to the present. The promise of Christ (laughs) enables the life of the future lived now. Not quite like it will be after we're raised, but now. In the theology world, this has come to be called the already and the not yet. And the not yet is already. You are saved and you will be saved. And you're being saved. And so we can realize the commandment love one another because we recognize the love we have received. And so we could read in the book of 1 John, chapter 3. The disciples, John included, where are you going and why can't we come? You say we know the way. We don't think we know the way. You say you're the way, and the way is to the Father. Huh. What about now? What about now? Well, we just read in the book of Hebrews and in the mouth of Jesus, now you already have access to the Father in Christ. Already, draw near, draw near. Here's what John says in the book of First John. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. <laughs> it's more like this. Look at the kind of love the Father has given to us. Look at the kind of love the Father has given to us that we, look around here, people, we can be called children of God. Now, I know people go around calling anyone and everyone children of God, and there's a certain sense in which every human being is a child of God, but not like this. We could be called children of God, and so we are. (laughs) the reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, raised from the dead because we shall see Him as He is. Now, so far, this is all about the future, isn't it? We don't know what we're going to be. We haven't seen what we're going to be yet, but we know whatever it is, it will be the me version of Him. The same thing He is, I will be, only me. Humanity resurrected from death. Humanity walking in active fellowship with God and so reflecting the very character and nature of God into the created world without any impurity or distraction. But that's all in the future. Here's what he says. Everyone who thus hopes in Christ, purifies himself as Christ is pure. In other words, the hope of this reality begins to make this reality the case already. And so in Ephesians, Paul writes, you have been raised with Christ and you are seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Already. I think, well, no, I'm here. 
And he says, no, in Christ you're there. It's so certain as it's, that it is real already. And this life, this transforming life of walking in fellowship with God and so exhibiting God's nature and character in the world is already possible now. Everyone who has this hope of the future purifies himself in the present. Because as much as you see Christ, you are transformed. Because in Christ, you fellowship with God. And in that fellowship with God, you are actually alive. And so you're not like people who are not alive. You exhibit life, eternal life. Jesus says, if anyone who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has passed from death into life. Not will pass from death into life in the future. Has already passed from death into life. The Spirit of God has come to dwell in the heart of everyone who trusts in Christ and make Fellowship with God real right there in your very soul. You have fellowship with God by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so you are alive. When God made Adam alive in the first place, he breathed, that's the Spirit, into Adam. And so we are made alive in Christ even now. And we will experience this fully realized in the resurrection, in the future, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. If you have the Son, you have the life. That's what John says back there in 1 John. Those who have the Son have the life. Those who don't have the Son don't have the life. He is the life. The way, the truth, the life. Do you know the way? To the Father's house. You know Jesus. You know the way. He is the way. In Him, you're already there. And in prayer, you can march right in there anytime, say whatever's on your mind. You can be a total idiot. You can be a complete failure. You won't be surprising God. You can be a collapsing sinner. But the door is open to you in Christ because His death satisfies God's judgment on you. And so you can march right in there anytime. Share what's on your heart. Sit on your Father's knee. And in so doing, you are alive. Draw near. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. The scripture uh, says, Hebrews 4, you know that famous passage. It's one of the draw near texts. And I got to look at it just to make sure I don't misquote it. Since we have a high priest... Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This seems like a time of need to me. In fact, I think so far every time I've been in was a time of need. 
And this says, I can confidently, with boldness, one translation says, boldly go before the throne of God. And Christ is there, and he has absorbed all the judgment that Isaiah had to run out of the room over. And I can go right in there where the angels are shouting, holy, 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 and smoke is filling the temple, and the whole thing shakes with the glory of God, and I can stand there like I belong. Because in Christ, I do belong. I am the way the truth, and the life. Father, thank you for your grace toward us in Christ. Father, I pray that the Spirit would move us to take advantage of this position, of this access, that we would live in the conscious awareness, always trusting in your great grace toward us, that we would know your love, we would be transformed, that we would become loving, that we would especially love one another in the body of Christ, serve one another, even sacrifice for the benefit of another, that we would exhibit this in the world around us. As the Scripture says, this is how all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Lord, we want to bring the hope back. To see that day in which we will be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. We want to see Him as He is even now. We want to be alive. We thank You for the life and the death and the resurrection and the intercession and the promise of His coming again that we have from Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen.